But the most disturbing feeling of all was the fact that Ned was excited by him as well. Ned had a way of getting a lot more attention than Bet. She smiled more, flirted more, joked more. And as a result, she got more requests for her phone number and for dates. And so when she began beating Vet's arm, her heart sank because she knew it would be just a matter of time before he and Nett would be an item. Vet knew even before he got off the bus that he was going to be a new student at their school. Don't ask her how she knew. She just knew. Vet always just knew a lot of things. She stopped trying to figure out how she did. She just accepted it. And this was one of those just news that turned out to be right. The girls knew their friends were waiting for them in front of the big tree, even before they turned the corner, because they could hear Jelly's mouth over all the other noises that were filling the air in front of their school. Well, Jelly's here, laughed Annette, as soon as she heard her loudmouth friend call out to a passing boy on the other side of the street. Everyone looked at her when she called Eric's name because she had a voice that was loud enough to wake the dead, shrill enough to shatter glass. And even though he was just across the street, you would swear he was on the other side of the world. And then there was that laugh. Both girls wondered who in her family she got her voice from. They had never heard a girl anywhere with a voice like hers. But loudness aside, Jelly was a fun person to be with. It was guaranteed that if you were hanging out with Jelly, you were bound to have a good time. She spotted the girls as they turned the corner and screamed to the top of her voice, Ah, here come my girls! And proceeded to run toward them. And this movement caused her belly and her rear end to shake and jiggle like a bowl full of jelly. Hence her nickname, Jelly, Jell for short. Her real name was Corinne Dolores Holloway, and she dared anyone except her mother and her teachers to call her anything but Jelly. Born in Trinidad, West Indies, Jelly was the middle child of three children and the second girl. Her family was very prosperous in her homeland and was highly respected by everyone. But soon, things began to go bad for the Holloway family. Jelly's dad began to stay out late at night, sometimes not returning until the next morning, and strange people started coming to their house all hours of the day and night, going into her father's study and speaking in coded words. Her mother and father, who used to get along so well, were arguing all the time, something that used to never happen in their house. Corinne and her sister, her brother had not been born yet, knew bad times were ahead for their little family and secretly plotted what they would do if their father's harsh words ever turned to violence toward their mother. The confusion and trouble went on for two years and finally came to a climax one warm night in May Five years ago, they jumped out of their beds and raced to the front of the house in time to see their father getting up from the floor with his shirt torn and blood pouring from his busted bottom lip. Four men and a young woman were standing in their living room 
along with their mother who was crying and shaking with fear and everyone was yelling. Corinne couldn't follow the conversation because of all the yelling, but she knew it had something to do with the young girl and her father. There was more pushing, shoving, and cursing with her mother asking everyone to please calm down and consider her young children sleeping in the other room. Suddenly, as if a switch had been flicked, everyone stopped talking. As awful as the loud screaming and shoving was, the silence was 1,000 times worse. Corinne and her sister instinctively reached out and held each other's hands and took a step backward as if expecting a loud noise or sudden movement. Abruptly, the men turned to leave, vowing to return with the authorities. Corinne's mother angrily turned and faced her husband and with hatred in her eyes and a cold steel in her voice, began to curse him with words Corinne never thought she knew. When he drew back his hand with the obvious intent to slap her, a loud pop caused everyone to jump, including Corinne, who until that moment thought she was still holding the hands of her older sister. So engrossed has she been in the violence unfolding in front of her, she hadn't noticed her sister remove her hand and slip from the room, only to return a few minutes later with her father's pistol. Bratine was standing in the doorway of the living room with the pistol pointing towards a tiny hole in the ceiling. She slowly lowered her arm and pointed the pistol at her father. If you touch my mother, I'll kill you, she said softly. Everyone knew she was capable of doing what she said. Their father had taught them both to shoot since they could hold a gun, and Bertine was a perfect marksman. Bertine, put that gun down, her father said, his voice filled with anger and fear. He took one step toward her, and she used her thumb to pull back the hammer, cocking the gun, allowing the bullet to slide in the barrel. He stopped dead in his tracks, knowing his oldest daughter would shoot him dead if he made another step toward her or their mother. Naomi, talk to your daughter, he said uneasily, beads of sweat forming around his nose and forehead. Naomi slowly walked over to her oldest daughter and placed her hand on the hand that held the gun. I'm sorry you had to see all these things. I'm sorry you had to be put in this situation. I'm sorry I didn't put an end to this sooner, but I'm putting an end to it now. She turned and looked at her husband, who was looking at her as if she had lost her mind. Keep your eye on him, she said. Corinne, go to your room and pack two bags, one for you and one for your sister. I'll get my bag. Hurry. Be ready in five minutes. We're leaving. Naomi, what are you saying? What do you mean you're leaving? You can't leave me. I won't let you leave me. Naomi, 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 yelled her father, shaking with fury but afraid to move. Corinne and her mother packed their bags and returned to the living room five minutes later. Naomi walked over to the wall safe that was hidden behind the large picture of Jesus and took half of its contents, which was about $300,000. She stuffed it into her shoulder bag, walked back to Bertine and stood 
looking at her husband who looked like he wanted to kill all three of them. Let's go girls, she said sadly, knowing this would be the last time she was going to see her beautiful home or her husband. You're not leaving me. I won't let you, spoke her husband, who had been standing quietly and staring at his oldest daughter, waiting for an opportunity to spring on her and take the gun away. That opportunity never came. When he saw they were preparing to leave, he decided to call her bluff. You're not going to shoot me. I'm your poppy. Give me the gun, Brittine, and I won't be mad. I promise. Just give me the gun, he said, slowly walking toward her with his hands outstretched. Everyone jumped at the sound of the gun going off for a second time. Bertine's father jumped a foot in the air and covered his head as the corner of the wall unit splintered from the bullet that tore off a piece of it.